Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the Outkick network, this is Outkick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Out of the gate, ready to go. Outkick 360 is back. Monday edition is here with Chad Withrow and Paul Koharski. I'm Jonathan Hutton, the entire Outkick crew with you live from 6th and Peabody, downtown Nashville, where we broadcast from each and every day. Our home studios with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine made here on site daily. Big show plan. We're going to recap a lot. Big takeaways from the NFL Combine as things wrap up in Indianapolis. The SEC tournament bracket is out. Aaron Rodgers is about to be paid and paid what he wants to be paid from the Green Bay Packers. Trade rumors there and much more. Gentlemen, good afternoon. Fun, fun weekend of sports, boys. We got a lot to get into today. Lots some reports out there with the NFL. Uh, a lot of combine talk, college basketball. This is the time of year for it. And um, I know we're going to talk a lot about Coach K's uh, send-off that uh, North Carolina wasn't all that cooperative with no. in his send-off game. Welcome back, Chad, from Thank your, you. uh, your day in Tampa, a couple Paul, of days in Tampa. 48 hours. I just got a headline flash across my phone right now. I know this is not big to anybody, but... Chelsea's owned by a Russian oligarch. You just, they are trying to kick the Russian oligarch out. He's agreed to sell. Yeah. So, but this guy has spent freely, which is why they've been oh. really good. And the next guy in the bidding, the guy who stepped up, is Woody Johnson of the Jets. Imagine if I go from a guy who spends at will to a guy who's ruined the Jets for the last 20 years well, owning my team. Think about, uh, I mean, that's, that's the new trend now. NFL owners buying Premier League teams. Well, a Dodgers partial owner wants in? I'd like that because the Dodgers win. I don't want the Jets owner who's not sniffed winning ever. So there's, there's Stan Kroenke. There is... The, the Red Sox. Shad uh, Khan. There is Jed York, who owns like a part of a team. The Glazers. The Glazers. And, uh, Potentially and the Red Johnson. Sox. And the Red and, Sox. And the Red Sox, Red yeah. Sox own Liverpool. I was specifically going with the NFL, but... Yes. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Um, we were in New York last trend. week, and uh, Jason, our guy who's helping us out, one of our camera operators, uh, dur- before the show started, looked up and said, oh, oh, man, have you guys seen this story? And he was the one who broke the news to us when it happened. He said Chelsea, apparently he's a big so- international soccer fan. He said Chelsea's owner, a Russian guy's not being forced to, but offering up because of controversy to sell the team. Well, he's been uh, controversial a story. for I know, a long, long time well, before I'm, this war. I'm fascinated by this story now because of where he, where he is and how he got his yacht. He's got, he has two, like, $300 million yachts. And, like, the United States and others are trying to seize these yachts that have connection to the Kremlin because that is, it's very hard to trace that money. Uh, with these money. international yachts, yacht money, and they're all in international water. I'd read a story about that in a b- second. Before this net, the, the, this invisible net fell, he was able to get his yacht out of whatever water he was in into safer and, water. Yes, and so I, I, I'm fascinated about how he went about doing that, and 
the other yacht is like being refurbished or something. They so. won Europe last year, which is obviously amazing. Like a, one of the best things that can happen. And they lost like $200 million just because he pours so much money. He doesn't care. Okay. So I, he just wants how to often, win. It's like Steinbrenner at the peak of Steinbrenner. So who, who are you going to, you know, when you're enjoying your team's success like that and you're not particularly paying attention to the geopolitical concerns of that, which I admit to not having done throughout my short tenure as a Chelsea fan, um, you don't want Woody Johnson. Reed, I- I'm curious to get your take on this because I think you know where, where Chad and I stand. Um, are you still a fan of Hasbulla? Uh, I'm still a fan of Hasbulla, <laughs> and I'm trying to figure out how in the world this little guy <laughs> is still producing content to the extent that he is with everything that's going on out I know, there. I know. Where is he? Do we know He's for sure where he is? Oh, he's definitely in Russia oh, somewhere. Yeah. He is. Uh, <laughs> Tell people who he is, because not everybody. He, he has. He is, so Hasbullah is um, this miniature human. Uh, he basically <laughs> can't age past what two or three years old, even though he's a 25, 27 year old man. No, he he is he, he is eighteen. Four. He may be nineteen okay. years old now, and he appears to be four or five years old, and he's trapped in this body that looks like a toddler. Yeah, he's and got so, the mind of an adult. Yeah, and, and he's it, a superstar. He talks like an adult, but he sounds like a four or five year old little boy. And he lives yeah. a wrestler's life, kind of. I mean, he's a he's, fighter. He, uh, he, yeah, he, he wants thinks to be, himself as a fighter. Yeah, he wants to fight this other guy. He's got the same uh, same thing. condition. The guy, and, and how so many they, people li- uh, like this are there? Like, would it just be the two of them fighting, or could they round up? Some well, there's other there's buddies? a third now. There's a third that's been involved in the face offs. You know, Dana White from the UFC got involved and, and was playing it up, and, and he became this global superstar. It's incredibly funny, but I don't know if we should be entertained by it, should we? Oh, absolutely. Oh, I mean, Dana I mean, White, of all of his the— His whole goal is to entertain us. This is it. This of, is what they're trying to do. Of all of the videos, social media posts that Dana has put out, he says that that little 30-second snippet of him on the flight over to Abu Dhabi last year where he said, Hasbullah, I'm coming to meet with you, got— by far the biggest reaction and the most downloads of the history of anything he's put on social These media. These guys showed me the video. The guy I mean, is highly entertaining. Yeah, and I mean, it's really it's hard not Russia. to like him. They caption it, right? Yeah, they caption all of it. But I mean, it's like every 15 minutes, if you follow Hasbulla, <laughs> which I highly recommend on Instagram, this guy has got something else. I mean, Reed's right about the amount of content. There is so content much. Machine. I mean, he's in a, at one time he's in a tank. The next time he's rolling through an airport, there's one time where he's got like a yogurt parfait yeah. and he just spills it on the floor of a nice place and keeps walking. <laughs> he's just wearing the Russian like hat. This. He it's likes great. to wear the, the wool Russian hat. I mean, I don't like this Roman Abramovich, but you know, I, I love like Asbula and they're, they represent the same thing. Like I have, I have been a little bit uncomfortable since this whole thing broke out because these videos, he's putting out videos like Chad said every 15 minutes and I don't, he could be just out there spelling Putin talking points every single time he opens his mouth and I have completely no idea. Right. I'm just, just reading right. a caption just, that says yeah, something else. I know, I'm just, they're not even captioning uh, yeah, these not. now. No, so I, he may be just out there just spewing all kinds of propaganda I'm just waiting for him to randomly punch or kick his trainer guy and do the throat slash deal. <laughs> Hit us up on Twitter at Outkick360. You can give us your thoughts there. The SEC tournament preview is coming up. Uh, we're also going to get into the trade rumors uh, and the report from Mike Florio, which was much more detailed than just surface level. Uh, we'll get into that uh, with Aaron Rodgers. But let's just start with the news from today on Aaron Rodgers, which is Green Bay is about to reset 
the market for quarterbacks based on what they're going to pay Aaron Rodgers uh, here and now. Not like down the road, not Patrick Mahomes down the road type money on a 10-year deal, but fifty uh, upwards of $50 million for the upcoming season. And guys, this, this type of money is what's going to keep a lot of teams from trading for him because if he does, in fact, decide he wants to be out, he would have to, in some cases, make far less or closer to what he made this year than what he could make next year with, with the Green Bay Packers. And the Packers have, have, have said, like, hey, we're going to put together a deal. Um, we're waiting on him to tell us if he's coming back. But in the meantime, we will financially have a deal in place. And for a team that's $50 million over the cap currently to turn around and double the salary, Aaron Rodgers, which is going to count against this year's deal, this year's cap, um, they're going to have to make a, a, a handful of money. Well, I mean, if they if he signs a two-year agreement, the vast majority of it's going to be... Well, they could put voidable years on it or something. I, I suspect they'd have to, because how could they take, take a, a 25, even a 25 million hit for him this year with Adams coming with this other stuff? And so be the, really hard. And so you mentioned Adams. Adams, so he's in play for tomorrow. Tomorrow is the deadline for the franchise tag for teams to place the franchise tag on any potential free agent to be. That's tomorrow at 4 o'clock Eastern, 3 o'clock Central. And Devontae Adams is most likely going to be one of those players that will be under a franchise tag uh, tender by tomorrow at 4 o'clock. But a lot of it, well, I guess it doesn't have to really come down to whether or not Aaron Rodgers wants to play or not, but a lot of the reports say that Rodgers is potentially going to make up his mind by tomorrow's deadline in order to give the Packers, and more importantly, give his buddy, Devontae Adams, some idea of where he's going to be. But if they're tagging him, they're doing it with or without Rodgers, probably. So that may not be the deadline. The 16th may be more the deadline, or or the the fourteenth, which is when you can start talking right. to teams, I envision that as they could more also of a say we're going, you know, closer to a complete rebuild if if we're trading Aaron Rodgers and not tagging. But Devontae you could take Adams that tag off and letting him next walk week. also. You could oh, you take can? you could take that tag. No, off I think once you once I think you, you lock it in. I think it's guaranteed, right? It, it is a guaranteed tag, so maybe you can't take it off. Maybe that that was the old changed. rule. It, it, yeah. it went into effect with the twenty eighteen or twenty nineteen draft class. Um, and, and moving forward, once you place that franchise tag on a player, or is it? I don't it know. I, I think we're confusing maybe the fifth, the fifth year, year option, option that became guaranteed. Oh, that's it. You're I think right. you can tag and untag a guy. Still, uh, if I'm not mistaken. So that's, so, that's but the fifth still, year option. You would, so once he signs it, once he signs the tag, it's fully guaranteed. Yeah. That's it. But I think they'd like to have him no matter what. And having him, um, if Rodgers doesn't return, becomes immediately even more feasible. Now, he'd be more upset about it. But listen, everybody who gets tagged is upset about it. Nobody likes getting tagged um, because it doesn't give you long-term security. Right? There is, if you get hurt this year, you're screwed. There's a player that I think would love to receive the franchise tag coming up, and I'll explain. Um, it's a, a, rarity. a rarity. A rarity. A rarity. But I, I think it works into his favor. Uh, we'll get into the Ravens and Lamar Jackson. I'm just looking at one thing here in terms of Denver, who I believe is really the other... Yeah. Option, Denver. Uh, I don't know about scrub quarterbacks. Drew Locke is their primary quarterback. His cap hit is under one million dollars, so their quarterback money allotment is close to zero, in terms of making a new deal for Aaron Rodgers being able to front load it 
they've got plenty uh, of, of room there for him. With the, with the tag deadline coming up tomorrow, later in today's show, in hour number three, we'll lead off by telling you uh, franchise tag possibilities across the NFL. Guys maybe who are already under the tag, and by tomorrow's deadline, teams that are making a decision on their potential free agents. Paul's got three big takeaways from Indianapolis uh, and the NFL Combine that he'll be bringing uh, a lot more to come. I want to make Paul mad right before uh, we go to our first break, though, because this story just coming down. Breaking news. The University of Oklahoma has announced that they will be revealing a statue of Baker Mayfield following their spring game on Saturday, April 2nd. Paul, your thoughts. It doesn't bother me quite as much as you would expect. He is a Heisman winner. Because you're a Heisman winner and it's kind of a campus thing. Keep it in your little campus. (laughs) Right. That's no little campus, but keep it in your big campus. If this was anywhere other than Norman, Oklahoma, or a place like this that Paul likes to look his nose down upon, right. you wouldn't like it. Right. Like, if this happened at but Syracuse. Florida, but Florida has, for instance, all three of their Heisman Trophy winning quarterbacks. They have statues of them as you enter the stadium. And I, I can handle that. The chiseling, the speech in, in granite. I don't think it's in granite. I think it's in stone. Tebow's speech. I, I mean, there are too many statues. Um, I would wait till Baker Mayfield was at a, a better place in his professional career to do it. Um, I think if it's it's poorly timed. <laughs> right now he's at a major crossroads and everybody's asking questions of Baker Mayfield. It feels to me like you're you're fluffing him up <laughs> at a time well, where he and needs it's, it. It's also yeah, it turns spring game weekend into something. You know, this oh it's now Baker Don't Mayfield do it weekend. Spring game weekend. That's a well, minor then you gotta wait till he's you're, done playing. You're pumping up well, you can't do it. You can the, do it during a bye week or something when the yeah. schedule comes out. Well, that doesn't guarantee like that, that they have a home game. I, right, I think you either do it that it way does. or you you allow it to be post career. Yeah. Bring them back I'd to allow campus it to be and post career. I would too. So the University of Tennessee, not college programs, can't retire a lot of numbers because they have so yeah. many players. But at Tennessee, they've only retired the numbers of the players who died in service who were members of the football team that volunteered, that went and fought in World War II. I respect that. I mean, there's four or five that died, and that's it. Those are the only numbers that are retired at Tennessee. That is next level in terms of how you honor, honor someone. And then outside in of that. In the time being, nobody's wearing Well, 18, at Tennessee, right? it's, you have to be an all-American. 16, Paul. 16, 16, Paul. Nobody's wearing 16. Nobody's wearing Reggie White's number. They're not giving that out freely. They're not giving out freely, but those jerseys are retired, though. The numbers are not. So players can have it. But and, has anybody had it? But there's also like no. D- Doug Atkins, Reggie White, Peyton Manning. You have to have you have to be an All American, first team All American, and a Hall of Famer, yeah, and have so list. many uh, All Pros in order to be considered at Tennessee. But I like that at least they have. Okay, here are the levels. Much like at Florida, if you won the Heisman, I think if you yeah if you won the Heisman, you get a statue. So at least there's criteria, as someone once said. That or the they Titans more before of. they they officially. Did something for McNair and Eddie George. They didn't pass. The, the, the numbers were out of circulation, you know, even if they weren't retired, which makes sense to me in some. But college, I know, is much more difficult based on the numbers that you need. Coming up, we've got an SEC tournament preview. The regular season wrapped up over the weekend. Bracket is out for all of the games that will tip off in Tampa. We'll go through that. Plus, Duke and Carolina, the Tobacco Road rivalry, Coach K Sendoff and UNC had something to say about it by upsetting Duke at Cameron Indoor this past Saturday. And UNC wasn't the only victor on this road win. We'll, we'll explain straight ahead on OutKick 360.
Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hope everyone's having a great Monday afternoon. We're going to help you get home and help you get through the afternoon at work. To get home faster, Outkick 360 rolls on from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. The crew is back together after a great week in New York and Indianapolis and in Chad's case, Tampa. Um, we're going to hit some NFL news and notes later in the show. Jack Doyle, the tight end for the Indianapolis Colts, has announced his retirement. This will, I mean, if you look at the financials, the retirement now opens up Indy to about $42 million below the cap as they sit right now. So they gained even more. Yeah, they gained more by the retirement. And what a great career by Jack Doyle, former Western Kentucky Hilltopper, who is an undrafted free agent with the Tennessee Titans, ends up getting cut, lands with Indy, and then makes a full career out of it. Outstanding career uh, for where he was versus what he turned into, which was a reliable target for multiple quarterbacks and a Colts team that at one point was unbeatable in their division. A couple injuries slowed him down, or he would have been yeah. uh, really, really Terrific. Um, also terrific was the latest edition and the final edition of the Tobacco Road rivalry with uh, Duke in North Carolina. And I realized that Duke lost the game and Coach K had to tell everyone and apologize for losing the game and saying it was unacceptable prior to getting the post-game festivity started at Cameron Indoor. But to me, that's what made it so awesome. And over the years... You know, growing up, uh, I always say this, growing up in the 90s, Carolina and Duke was must-watch television. Um, and it, it still remains that way. Like, it's the last game of the regular season, and there's always something special about the most impactful rivalries in the biggest moments they produce. And Duke was a, a big favorite in this game, uh, potential number one overall seed. Carolina is like a three or four seed in the ACC tournament. I mean, they've had an okay year, but a down year uh, compared to what you think from Carolina. I mean, they're going to the the tournament. And I'm sitting there watching it play out. Duke's got the lead, and, you know, they, they've scripted everything perfectly. I mean, they've, they've got 90-some-odd players, former players back lining the court as Krzyzewski makes his way onto the court. Um, they've got all 10 grandchildren there, and there's tears prior to the game as, you know, the anthem and everything's being played. Game tips off, and Carolina Duke's underway. And to me, you could script everything perfectly, but the best rivalries just simply cannot always produce the storybook ending. In fact, most of the time, it flips on itself. And that's what happened here. And while if you're a Duke fan, you hate it. If you're a Carolina fan, you love it. I think if you're the casual fan and you love rivalries and you want to get back to the rivalries we once had in sports... This one delivered, and it delivered to the very last moment where Carolina goes on the road and shocks everyone. Everyone's left stunned. Kids are crying uh, that camped out for days outside Cameron Indoor. Months. Dressed as puppets in Sesame Street characters. Yeah. They're, they're in full-on <laughs> tears, weeping, because Coach K didn't go out a winner at home. And you know, <laughs> I loved it. I mean, I'm sitting there watching going, 
uh, this is sports is the ultimate reality TV because it cannot be scripted. And Duke did everything to script out that day. ESPN did everything to script out that day, except for one ending. Carolina won the game. And I'm not a Carolina fan or a Duke fan. I'm just a sports fan. And because of the way that game played out, I'm going to miss it even more. That is the tobacco road rivalry that I long for across all sports platforms. I'd convince myself that Duke was going to win, and they had a lead in the second half. And then Carolina caught them, and they were up a couple points, and I wasn't really thinking anything of it. And then all of a sudden, the league got Yeah, they get up five, they get up seven, yeah. And then I think it was double digits, and still it was uh, it was like three minutes left before I finally said, they're going to lose. They're, they've lost this game. And I was just kind of surprised. I wonder how much of America was kind of thinking of it the same way, fully expecting Duke to come back just because it was – the way it was supposed to be. So you, you hit on it very nicely there. Um, I'm not a Krzyzewski guy. Um, and I should be a Krzyzewski guy because uh, that's kind of plugs into the kind of things I want, but I think it took it too far. I always found him kind of sanctimonious um, and talking about him like he's dead. He's not dead. He's got games uh, ahead here. I just found him kind of sanctimonious. I think, though, the Duke experience looks tremendous, and I'm jealous of something like that, which I didn't have any contact with as a collegian. Um, but I thought they did everything really well. It, and, was, and it, it was It was great. It, it was great, and it, was, it did kind of give you um, the full package that you got to feel the emotions of all that anticipation and all of the excitement of them having the lead and then see – the other side of it, where it was North Carolina who was so excited at the end. And they celebrated like they'd, they'd really won something. And they had. <laughs> they, they really won something. That was, that's an all-time memorable uh, game if you're a North Carolina person. A random sports fan, it's a memorable win. But for the Carolina fan, it's huge. So my vantage point is I'm in Tampa at a buddy's bachelor party, and I'm on the end of a table where me and my buddy sitting next to me, both big sports fans, are the only one who can see the bar TV all the way across this this nice steakhouse that has one TV at the bar. And we can see it just enough to see the score. So we're watching the second half of the game that way, and we're kind of nudging each other saying, all right, it's Duke by three. Okay, Carolina's tied it. Carolina by five. Carolina by nine. There's only four minutes left, by the way. This might actually happen. And you get down to that five, four-minute mark, and then at one point you look at them and say, it's happening. North Carolina is going to spoil Coach K's send-off game at Cameron Indoor as a huge underdog. Carolina was not guaranteed to get into the NCAA tournament until that went on Saturday night. They needed that to firm up their position in the field of 68 for this tournament. What a win for Hubert Davis and that North Carolina team. And what I love more about it than anything else is that it was a huge night, no doubt about it, and it's important to honor the fact that the all-time great one of the all-time greats, if not the all-time great in college basketball, is hanging it up after that long at Duke, and they have everything around it. But I think what's more important to honor in this is that North Carolina showed up and said, great, we're here to win a basketball game. Yeah. And they went about doing that. And there is, you cannot, you cannot fake experience at any level of anything you're doing in any profession, and college basketball is the same. And Duke's kids played like kids. They got all the talent in the world. When Duke plays well, they're as good as anybody in America, and they could win a national title. But they played that moment in that second half like children, and North Carolina played like grown-ups, and they went in there and won. I applaud them for it. 
and you could hear it. I went back yesterday and, and rewatched some of that game. In the closing five or six minutes, and really the last two minutes of that first half, you could hear it in Jay Billis's voice. When it was a nine, ten-point game the whole first half, and when North Carolina cut it to two on a three at the buzzer, or right there at the end, he said, that is a very significant run by North Carolina to make this a one-possession game at halftime totally changes the complexion of the game. And people watching it that are third-party fans are probably saying, whatever, this is a Duke guy trying to cover himself if Carolina does something. Jay Billis was on to something because he knew that run was going to be big for Carolina. Now all the festivities around it, I thought it was perfect. I like him walking out onto the court with 95, I think was the number, former Duke players of his, lining the court as he walked out. The shots from the crowd of all the former Duke players and Jerry Seinfeld sitting with David Silver, or Adam Silver, the NBA commissioner in the crowd. Um, it was really cool to see all of that. His kids both go to Duke. I thought Seinfeld was taking unfair abuse online from people not looking into that. Like it was just a random, like, I'm going to buy an expensive ticket to go sit next to Adam Silver for, to be at the big game. Well, his face T- when they T-O, lost was T-O also was great. there. I mean, there's yeah. a who's Tyler who. Murray was there. And you've got, um, I mean, you've got the people spending upwards of five to $6,000 to get into that place and to, to, to end the way they did. I mean, prior to the post-game festivities, and I thought it was to have the wherewithal to get in front of the mic prior to the post-game festivities, I say festivities, the ceremony starting, where he goes up to the mic and he says, look, this is not on the rundown. I want to let you guys know I apologize for this result. And you've got, I guess, I don't know if there were the students in front of him or um, if it were just uh, some of the, the donors and fans there, you know, chanting back to him. Like, no, it's no big deal. And he's like, no, 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 stop. Be quiet. And everyone gets silent. He's like, this was unacceptable today. And while we, we lost the final game of the regular season, our season is not over. And it's still been a very memorable season. Let's keep all that in perspective. Now the show goes on. Yeah, and, it was. And because it was great. he did that, I thought it left it lifted some of the tension. Yeah, there was tension there, and and you had Duke. You had the Duke player that came. The, the players came back out of the locker room, sat on the visiting bench where Carolina had just ripped them to shreds, and that was their view of the of the whole day of the whole ceremony. I I just thought it was very well done, including the rivalry finish with all of it. I am stunned. Had you asked me how many former players or how many players Coach K has coached at Duke, I would have said 400. I mean, it's 208. That's the number. 208. And, I mean, that's about 50 a decade, you know? But still, 208 over that entire career. And here's the other thing. You get 12 scholarships at a time. You know, know. for every year. So that's it's blending of all that. But when you think about how long he's been there, I would have guessed I, I'm oh, with you. I, between I three and four hundred. I would have guessed a bigger number. Um, it's two hundred eight, and roughly half of them showed up, which is great. Um, and here's the other thing about Duke and the two hundred eight players: it is crazy how many of those names you know. Can can someone name ten basketball players from Mississippi State, like Corliss Williamson, and who else? You know, and you've got Duke, where you just start. That line of 90 players, you're like, oh, there's so-and-so, there's so-and-so. And you start like, oh, yeah, that's from 2010. Oh, that's right. He played there whenever, you know, he, he was a national champion. It's, it's nuts how many people you know that Coach K brought to Duke. Um, really well done. 
and including by Carolina. Well, all even the, all the, the Tar Heels fans were ecstatic, as they should be. Well, the players that were uh, on the college game day, they had a panel of Wojo, Trajan Langdon, Shane Battier. Yes. And I'm thinking of who else. I'm like, that's a pretty perfect cross-section. It was someone on a recent team also, a younger guy. And Jay Williams was part of and it. And Trajan Langdon, by the way, looks exactly the same as when he played. Like, there was no difference at all when I saw Trajan Langdon sitting there. Christian Leitner looks a little bit different, Great, especially with, well, the chin thing chin he's beard. got going. He's got like the, it looks like he should be uh, riding a Harley somewhere <laughs> uh, with that chin stripe that he's got right now. But uh, it was cool seeing that. Uh, one not, you know how I always love to point out uh, wardrobe and or uniform malfunction. Uh, they look like they were rooting for Kentucky because they were all wearing white shirts with a blue K that looked like the Kentucky K. But it was to honor Coach K, all the former players. And I'm looking at that thing, and that looks way too close to Kentucky uh, who is a rival of Duke, even if it's in spirit only. They don't play that often. Uh, but I, I noticed that. But seeing all those players together in one spot uh, was was really, really cool. And Coach K's greeting to them, I don't know if you guys noticed this, on the way out before the game, uh, it was a mixture of he was tapping it up with guys, and he was also just like poking their chest as they walked by. And I'm like, is this how he greets people when he sees them? He was going one after the other, left and right, and – poking them in the chest to acknowledge them on the way through. thought that was interesting. Guys, some breaking news out of the NFL and a player who's been on the uh, non-football injury list, I believe was the list that they put uh, Falcons wide receiver Calvin Ridley on this year. I may be wrong, uh, but he, he bowed out due to mental health. He has been suspended by the National Football League for at least the 2022 season for betting on NFL games. Uh, this coming out from every major news outlet uh, that covers the league, including Schefter, including Rappaport. Uh, he's been suspended for a year for gambling on NFL games during the season. So this would this would mean while he's been away from the Falcons, but he still was on a list. betting on teams. Still on the con. It is bad. Bad. I mean, I'm sure, I imagine he thought, well, I'm removed from the team. It's not a big deal. It is a big deal. I mean, he's still Oh, I mean, I'm seeing Paul, I'm seeing this as the non-football injury and mental health was he got caught and they stopped it then. And then they were looking into it the whole time. Maybe. Yeah, that that's I mean, am I crazy to think that? I'm no, like, no. This was weird the whole time. Non-football injury, mental, and then this comes out. I think he got caught and they were investigating it and sitting him while they did that and put this designation That's in the process. I didn't, I didn't jump there. Well, I, I mean, uh, there's, you jumped there. It's possible. I think, I think there's definitely, you know, questions to be asked with all of it. Um, I mean, I could also see a guy sitting home on his couch, sorting things through, getting on, uh, getting on an app and thinking there's nothing to it when there absolutely is something to it. You're still under those codes. You still have inside information and it's absolutely verboten. So it's, he, it's the number one thing you cannot do. So he was on, on the NFI. He was on the non-football illness list um, and was not with the team, was away from the club's facility. Uh, a league investigation uncovered no evidence indicating any inside information was used or that any game was compromised in any way. Nor was there evidence suggesting any awareness by coaches, staff, teammates, or other players of his betting activity. Well, this is all through the NFL. Here, here is uh, the quote from Roger Goodell uh, in the letter to Ridley. There is nothing more fundamental to the NFL's success and to the reputation of everyone associated with our league than upholding the integrity of the game. This is the responsibility of every player, coach, owner, game official, 
and any, anyone else employed by the league. Your actions put the integrity of game at risk, threaten to damage public confidence in professional football, and potentially undermine the reputations of your fellow players throughout the league. This for, is- for decades, gambling on info games has been considered among the most significant violations of league policy, warranting the most substantial sanction. In your case, I acknowledge and commend you for your promptly reporting for an interview and for admitting your actions. He may, be, he may be up for reinstatement on or after February 15th, 2023. It was unclear if he wanted to play. There was talk that he uh, would play maybe, but not for, for Atlanta again. This idea that there's no evidence that he used any inside information. A, I don't know how, how much evidence there would be. Do we know if he's in contact with teammates who are friends and what kind of casual, seemingly casual conversations they're having? And B, he had access to the team's playbook up until the time he left. That's inside information. He could be watching a game and know they're perfectly suited to score a touchdown right here, or they've got nothing for this situation, or I know exactly how they defend this or how they are not suited to defend this. That's all inside information that he has from training camp and the five or six or however many games he was with the team. That all qualifies as inside information, whether it's inside in the moment or not. He was there for about two months. He stepped away on Halloween. October 31st okay. was the was the day he well, went on NFL. Well, that's plenty of time to gather plenty sure. of information that makes him a better better than you or I or well, anybody. Here, here, here we go with precedent, most recent precedent for betting on games. Stephen Ross, time to pucker up, man. If you've got an investigation going on with, uh, with your franchise and your trying to lose on purpose uh, to affect the integrity of the league. They're going to slap the guy who's uh, on a non-football illness list with uh, a, at least a year-long suspension. Um, imagine how they'll act with one of their owners doing it. Well, and so a couple important things here, and we're just seeing this all together also, and you read it in the statement there, Hutton, but over a five-day period in late November after he was off the team uh, with the non-football illness list, so not with the team. About a month later. So. I believe that an important part of this is did he bet on a Falcons game and which way did he bet, regardless of what they say about inside information or not. They're not specifying here. They just said NFL games, plural, uh, but said none of the games were compromised that he bet on. But I do think that's important, Right. Yes. I mean, we always talk about Pete Rose always bet on his team when he bet on, on the Reds. Um, while that doesn't condone anything, it's very different than if you're saying, yeah, uh, our team, because of this, you know, we're going to get crushed this week, especially if you're playing, obviously, but even if you're not currently with that team. The league also did the Falcons a huge favor by waiting until today to announce this because oh, they were yeah. made aware on February 9th that this investigation was going on, which means last week, they would have known that this was coming down sooner rather than later. And Smith and Fontenot were at podiums. Smith sat with me. I mean, it would have been a huge story at the NFL Combine um, for those two and everybody connected to the Falcons. Falcons, have, instead of answering questions, just released a statement today, which is all they've, they've had to do because, again, media availability was last week. Um, he says we were first made a, the, the, the the team says we were first made aware of the league's investigation on February 9th. We've cooperated fully with the investigation since receiving notice and support the league's findings and actions. We are moving forward to the 2022 season with the decision that was made. 
with the decision that was made by the NFL, any further questions on the investigation should be directed to the league office. I feel somewhat badly for Smith and Fontenot, who inherit the guy. Yeah. Uh, he's, he, he very shortly, uh, and they're counting on him. You know, he's, he's going to rise to be their number one receiver, has mental issue that makes him step away, and this, all of which they have really n- little to no, really no control over. Well, let me also say, and this is part of a bigger story. This is a big story in and of itself, but as part of a big trend or problem across the NFL, I don't know that it's a big trend or a problem. Oh, no. But I can also guarantee you that Calvin really is not the only NFL person betting on games. They may not have their own FanDuel account with their credit card attached to it betting, but I bet a lot of guys across the league call up a buddy who's got an account and say, put a grand on us this week because we got a hell of a game plan against this team, and that number's small. They don't always win, but I guarantee you that's happening. Say, we'll split. We'll split the profits. And it's very easy to get away with that if you wanted to do it. So this is a big story. We'll talk about it that way. I don't also want this to turn into, oh, my gosh, Calvin Ridley bet on football. This is the only guy to ever do it. It's happening. He was probably just very dumb about it. And I'm honestly surprised that they're saying it was just that five-day window because this doesn't sound like something that would have been done over one five-day window when you weren't with the team, if well, it had happened before. Uh, to your point, maybe he was dumb enough to, to have his own account, account yeah. or his own app for five days. Hit us up on Twitter with your thoughts, at Outkick360. You can join the YouTube chat as well. Uh, chat with Chad in uh, the YouTube channel. Just subscribe there. Plenty of content there, post-show uh, each and every day. Uh, just search out Outkick360. Coming up, uh, Brittany Griner detained in Russia and Scary. it's been longer than just the weekend of when the news came out. We'll get into that. We will continue our discussion on Calvin Ridley's suspension. SEC tournament bracket is out and much more on OutKick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Outkick 360 rolls on across the Outkick Network from Sixth and Peabody with Yeah Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Uh, NFL news today, Calvin Ridley, Falcons wide receiver, has been suspended for at least the 2022 season for betting on football, betting on NFL games. Uh, That coming out within the last 10 to 20 minutes. Um, Quite the headline that will dominate uh, headlines throughout the week in reaction. And again, it will be tied in to Dolphins owner Stephen Ross and how that investigation is going on allegedly trying to pay uh, Flores hundred grand per loss to tank towards the end of a, a regular season a couple of years ago. Um, Brittany Griner uh, in the news this weekend. And I say that this weekend in parentheses because who knows how long she's been detained. But she's been detained in Russia um, for allegedly going through an airport in Moscow with hashish oil. Uh, uh, more or less vape pens in her carry-on luggage. And what's unclear is how long she has been detained because 
Um, the, the, those reporting this news say it could have been upwards of three to four weeks, which would put her into early February that she's been in Russia and no one's really known. Makes sense that she, I mean, that was one of the first questions I asked was why wouldn't she have tried to get out earlier? And it seems that she did. Well, but she's, so she's playing in, in Russia, uh, in a winter league, which, She makes great money. WNBA players tend to do. You know, she's got the WNBA season coming up, but she's playing in a league there. And some some players did get out when they were told to. Others decided to stay. And it's unclear if she decided to stay and was coming back recently or if she was trying to get out of the country middle of last month and was detained then. What's only known is that she is detained and remains there as the WNBA as the Secretary of State for the United States and others attempt to get her released and and back to the United States. The concern here is, you know, even in a typical war, as bad as that is, there would be some measure of diplomacy available for something like this. And and while this is not the the terrorism of, of the most recent wars that we've had, because it's more, uh, established nations um there's no diplomacy function here you can't go to putin and talk about you know we'll uh, we'll do this and you'll do that and we'll get her back it doesn't seem there's any reasonable things to be done and so this turns into uh, what was the movie with claire danes where she was uh you know over in southeast asia somewhere and got got busted making a drug transaction for somebody not saying Brittany Griner did that, but then you're, you're, you're behind bars in a foreign land and there's, yeah. there's no diplomatic uh, way out of it. And so you you fear for her in a huge way as you fear for a whole bunch of people who are in terrible situations, but America needs to be able to get American citizens back. And it's not in any way conventional. Well, and this is there's a whole show about this, I think, on A and E or something about being detained overseas for different things like this, very minor at times. Yeah, much like this is in Korea and China. She's got a vape pen that's her own. It's not some sort of intent to distribute or anything. Well, she gets caught for that. Based on the laws there, you, she faces up to ten years in jail yeah, if, but, if if charged with a crime. Is is what this yeah, is? If, if charged, and a guy got caned in Singapore for you know stealing gum or something. You know, it's all these different crazy laws in different countries. Couple things to keep in mind because a lot of people immediately were asking, "Well, why is she in Russia? You know, why would she be playing basketball in Russia?" This is common, and you can make the most money at times in for Europe. Russian clubs, yes. not just Europe, but Russian Especially clubs Russia. pay a lot for women's basketball players. So it's not uncommon that she'd be playing uh, in Russia. The other thing to keep in mind here is that uh, there are a lot of anti-gay laws in Russia, and you better believe that's a part of this and her detainment, and them not willing to work with her on this because she is a noted and out female celebrity that is gay. And now she's detained in a Russian prison. It's a crazy story. It's a scary story. And, Paul, you kind of laid it out there also. There's no way to even discuss this with Russia right now. They have no clue where she's located. They don't know what prison she's in. All that we know is that she's being detained somewhere in Russia, and we know the charge against her it's a scary story all the way around we've got to stay vigilant with no ending in sight either and uh and and you would hope that that we are and uh her family in constant communication i would imagine with with the 
with the people that they need to be in constant communication with, but when the other side's not being the least bit helpful and can't tell you things, simple things like that, you know, well, we're not letting her out, but she's here and she's being fed and cared for. Uh, it's some frightening crap. Well, and that's why they, they urged U.S. citizens to get out of Russia or, or Ukraine, uh, not just athletes, but anyone there, to get out and go wherever you could uh, well in advance of what they thought Russia might do. And, and there was a big buildup. My guess is this is one of many that are detained in some way in, in Russia. Yeah, hopefully she becomes representative of, of people who aren't celebs, sporting or otherwise. You've got the, you know, everyone from the WNBA to the Secretary of State on this. So it's not, it's not going to be ignored, but it's, uh, it's a weird, scare, scary, uh, at the same time, fascinating discussion because it, you don't see this on the regular with a star uh, an athlete that is detained, but no one has contact with them, right? It's, it's bizarre. Coming up, SEC tournament underway this week in Tampa. We'll hit the headlines that you need to know about going into all those matchups. And Aaron Rodgers and four teams, including the Packers, but three others that are intriguing, where Florio says trades are already in place to acquire the future Pro Football Hall of Famer for 2022. That's next on Outkick 360.